So today we're going to be talking about a passage and a topic that I know all too well. Uh, it's the topic of anxiety and, and fear and worry. Um, this is a passage I memorized a long time ago because I need it so badly. It's something I have to remind myself of consciously, be anxious about nothing, but in all things with prayer and supplication, etc., etc. We'll get into that in just a minute. And it is funny. I do carry a lot of anxieties and burdens and worries. I'm just kind of wired that way. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But uh, one of the things I must fear is, is preaching. And I don't feel like I fear preaching because I, I really love it. And I don't worry about it. I don't get like all freaked out before I stand up here. I have lots of fears and phobias. And I don't feel like preaching is one of them. But I do have a lot of funny dreams about preaching. And um, uh, one is I dream this all the time that I can't find my sermon notes and I'm running around, and it's one of those Sundays where just a big, everyone's here, and everyone's waiting, and the room is absolutely crowded, and I can't remember what I'm preaching on. I don't remember the text. I don't remember anything about it, and I'm literally running through the hallway saying, does anyone have my sermon, you know, and like, and then everyone's waiting and waiting, so then this morning, I, I dreamed this dream where uh, I have my sermon notes, but they're just horrible, and I'm like reading through it, and I'm going, what, what is this? This is nonsense, you know, and so I, uh, I hope it's not horrible, you guys. I haven't preached in three weeks, so uh, I'm hoping it's not horrible. Uh, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Let's read it together. You can pray for me as, uh, as, as we read this, too. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what are you anxious about right now? What are you worried about? You're probably... Most of us are worried about something, right? Um, how many of you can admit that you, you do struggle with worry and anxiety? You don't have to raise your hands, but I, I definitely do. Um, and so what, what, do you, what are you anxious about? What's keeping you up at night? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you get out of bed? What's the last thing that you think about as you're falling asleep? Well preview of our sermon today, I've got great news for you because we worship the God of peace. And his burden is easy and his yoke is light. And, but life here on planet earth does not always feel like that. But Jesus is coming to us today through his word and he does want to say to us, I'm the God of peace. I want to give you peace. And bound up in our passage today is an absolutely astounding promise, and I don't always experience it, but I, I, I have experienced it, and I've seen it experienced in so many other people's lives, and it's basically this. As we practice some things, Paul is going to call us to practice, as we practice joy, as we practice the real presence of Christ in our life, and as we practice prayer, we are promised in this passage, supernatural peace to guard our lives in the most difficult of times, our hearts and our minds. Paul is saying that through, through practicing joy, being mindful of, of God's real presence in our lives and through prayer, there, there is a supernatural peace, a peace that is beyond understanding that can come to us 
and guard our hearts and our minds powerfully. And so we're going to see three things today from this passage, the practices that he's calling us to, the promise inherent in them, and that's what we just talked about, and then the, the problem, the problem that we have in working this out. First of all, the practices. The practice of joy. This is a major theme of Paul, and it's a major theme in, the, in, in his letter to the Philippian church, is this idea of rejoicing and having joy. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. If you've grown up around church at all, I know you've heard that passage many times. Rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. And again, I say rejoice. He's, he's repeating it for us to get it. And he's saying, rejoice always in all circumstances, in all seasons of life. So clearly, not just when things are good. Rejoice always. So this first practice or, or prescription, these are, these are commands that he's issuing uh, in this passage. The, the verb tense is a, is a command. It's an imperative. And he's saying, do this. Be joyful. Rejoice. Rejoice. And it can sound trite, if we're honest. It can sound... Thin. It can sound shallow to us if you've been around Sunday school and you grew up in church and it's like, you know, just rejoice, just be joyful. But I promise you, this is not meant to be some thin, shallow thing at all. This is a profound thing. You know, some people are naturally upbeat and optimistic. Some people just enjoy incredible circumstances in life. They just do. Like, just everything just sort of works out for them. Everything they try seems to go well. They're great looking. They're in shape. It just, everything, you know, just seems great. But what is being called here is this. It's a call to fight for joy, even if you're a half, a glass half empty person. I have to be careful there. Uh, <laughs> even if you're temperamentally not joyful, even if your circumstances in life are not good, this is a call to joy. And a joy that goes beyond understanding. When you have joy and prosperity, well, that makes sense. When you have joy, uh, when everything in life is sort of headed in your way and going well, and you ask a, a girl out and she says yes, or a boy asks you out and you're so excited and you say yes, and, and you're like, life is just good. That's a, that's a joy that makes sense. That's a joy that makes, that's understandable. But Paul is saying God can provide a peace that doesn't make sense and a joy. We need a joy that goes beyond what is right in front of our face, do we not? Because no matter how good your life is and no matter how great your circumstances are, eventually in this life you will have trouble. You will. And so we need, we need a joy and we need to practice joy throughout our life, in every seasons of, season of life. And we need a joy that's an ultimate joy, a cause for rejoicing that surpasses what we can see. As many of you guys know, um, my dear stepsister, Jamie, has been battling cancer. Um, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. She lives in Indianapolis, and um, she has two sons and a husband. She, she uh, has been faithful to come visit us uh, routinely, and, and Becky and I are really close with Jamie. And I felt a few weeks ago, it became clear to me that her, her cancer was really progressing fast and that I need to get to Indiana uh, to see her. And so I felt compelled to go see her and her, her family. And I arrived in Indianapolis and was able to have two really good visits with her on a Thursday and a Friday. And she passed away the following Tuesday. I know a lot of you already know that. 
it, it went very fast, and we're so thankful because she didn't suffer much. And, and her, her life for the next several months was going to be filled with suffering, and God graciously took her very, very fast. And I'm so thankful for the time that I had with her, and I'm so thankful for the time that I got to be there with her husband and uh, their two sons, my nephews, Elijah and Josiah. And as I visited her in the hospital, you know, just feeling like I've got to get there, like just my plane got delayed for a whole day and then I got there a day late and then just drove all the way from Tennessee and I just, it just felt like I've got to get there and see her. And I was, it was, it's shocking, right, to see someone who's battling disease and chemo and radiation. And I saw, last I saw her, she was healthy and, and her body had deteriorated greatly, but her spirits were good. And, and she was not giddy or happy or smiley, but she had a steady joy and she was proving this passage to be true. Um, I found her rejoicing in the Lord and, and I went to be a blessing to her, but the truth is I received the greater blessing. It was powerful. I, you know, just was listening to her share and I was asking her, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Is there any, anything I can pray for you about? Do you have any questions, you know, from a pastoral standpoint that I can try to help you with? And she's just saying, I, I feel so badly I want to get home and just have some normal days with my family. I would give anything for a sunny day where I don't, where I can get out of bed and I have the energy just to be with my family and be with my kids again in just even a couple days or a few weeks. And the doctors were doing everything they could to get, to get her home. But, but she said this, but I've had, to give, I've had to give all of that over to the Lord. I want to be back with my boys. And I worry about them, Scott. I worry about them, like, you know, in the future. And, and I worry about John. But I've had to give that to the Lord. And then she stops and she goes, I've had to give everything to the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I'm a control person. I'm high control, and I, and I want to manage everything. And to be honest, she was too. She's very intense. She was, you know, doctorate in pharmacy, hard-driving person. And she had to give it all up, and she did. And the moment she needed to the most, she did. And she was able to, because God came through. She was able to rejoice. And it wasn't like, I, I'm like saying, she wasn't clapping and happy and smiley and joyful like that. It was a much deeper joy. It was a rooted joy that said, I've given it all over to him and I'm okay. That's rejoicing in the Lord. Even in your greatest moment, even when you may not feel good physically or even emotionally, but to have this rootedness, it was profound as I found her rejoicing in the Lord in spite of her circumstances. We don't have to practice anxiety, do we? That just is easy. It comes to us. It's like so natural to practice worry and fear and all the difficulties of life, but we do have to practice joy. And I encourage you to practice it no matter where you are in life right now, even if your life is dif difficult, begin practicing joy now. And, and especially if times are good, practice joy, not, not just a shallow joy, but a deep and profound joy. Because in the moment that you need it most, when you've practiced joy, it will come so much more naturally to you. Paul, who is sitting in jail... Not, not in a beach, you know, or on a book tour or from res some resort, but in a jail 
awaiting probable execution, he's the man who writes us to say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And you know Paul was doing that. From the prison, he is rejoicing. The next thing I want us to see is this, the practice of God's presence. He says in verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, the ESV translation is this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And, you know, uh, I'm going to pick on that translation for a second. And and the word uh, for reasonableness can also mean patience or a gentle spirit. And I don't love the phrase reasonableness just because, like, that's not a word we use except when you're, you say in English to somebody, like, be reasonable. Like, it's like basically saying, you know, you're acting irrationally or you're not being reasonable or you're, you're kind of crazy right now. And that, that's not what Paul is saying. I think what he's saying is don't be so filled with fear that you're not able to be patient with others. Don't be so filled with worry and anxieties and the cares of the world that you only are presenting fear back to the world instead of a gentle spirit and a patience. Because when I am fearful and worried, I am very inward focused, right? And aren't you as well? It's very hard to care about others when you're so caught up in your fear and anxiety. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let your gentle spirit be known, not your fear, not your worries. Why? How can you do that? And he gives us the answer in this passage. The Lord is at hand. And he's calling us, in a sense, to practice the real presence of Christ in our lives. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of times we live as followers of Jesus more in a functional atheism and instead of a functional belief. Like, in so much of our life in America, uh, we're so provided for, our needs are so met that at times... We don't feel as if we need the Lord. And so our day-to-day activity is often filled with just sort of this, I've got this covered. And, And we forget that God is at hand, that the Lord is very real and very present. In Psalm 16, the psalmist says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. I love, I love that psalm. You don't set the Lord anywhere. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, The Lord is the sovereign Lord that created this immense universe that we uh, are a very small little planet in. And you don't set him, you don't set him on a shelf. You don't set him at your side. So what is David saying? What does the psalmist mean by I set the Lord? What he's saying is this, I'm practicing the presence of the Lord. I am reminding myself, that's probably the better way to say it. I am reminding myself that the Lord is at hand. I am not just meditating on my problems being at hand. That, that comes easy to me. I know my problems. Instead, I'm facing my fear. I'm facing my problems with the reality that God is at hand. That he is a very present help, uh, helper in a time of trouble. Even if my whole life is literally shaken, the, the psalmist is saying, I, can, I can't ultimately be shaken because the Lord is at my right hand. So once again, when I went to go see Jamie in the hospital, 
Uh, I, I wanted to bless her, but she just kept blessing me with her confidence, her strength, but also a profound story. Um, the previous week, so I'm visiting her in, in one hospital. The, like a week earlier, she had been in another hospital and had a very, very bad experience. Uh, she felt as if she wasn't getting the care that she needed, and they were having trouble getting feeding tubes in her. She, she had been without food for a couple days and any, any nutrients at all other than water. And in the middle of the night, she felt uh, abandoned. She felt alone. She felt a darkness and, and for a few hours. And she just, felt, she just felt on the verge of despair. But in that moment, that evening, and then the subsequent nights after that, she said, the Lord literally shepherded me through the night. And she, she used that phrase like two or three times. The Lord shepherded me through that darkness. And she said, Scott, his presence was so tangible in the room. I could, it felt as if his hand were on my head shepherding me. He was with me. The Lord was at hand. And this is what Christ wants us to know. We, we talk about it all the time, but we do live with this sort of sense of unbelief. But the Lord is at hand. Jesus is not dead. He rose again from the dead, and he has sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit. And he will come again in glory. The Lord is at hand. The, the third thing I want us to see is this practice of prayer. And this is the key one in, in this passage. Joy, the Lord is at hand, presence of Christ, and prayer. He, he says... Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So Paul is telling us some stuff to do and some things not to do. And the first thing he says is this, don't be anxious about anything, but instead pray over everything. And I know that's easier said than done, but... This is what he's calling us to do. Don't worry, but pray. Remind yourself that the Lord is at hand. He says prayer and supplication. And that word supplication, it literally means uh, to let your needs be known to God. The Lord already knows them, but he wants us to ask. Jesus made that very clear, right? Ask your father uh, for the things that you need. So supplication is asking God to meet our needs and instead of rehearsing our fear, he's calling us to rehearse our faith by practicing prayer. A prayerless life, and this is so convicting, is an indication, uh, once again, of the fun functional atheism that we often battle. And so out of control anxiety and, and worry often plague us Prayers come quickly and naturally, I believe, to the heart that is clinging to faith. And when my heart is inclined towards faith, I pray so much quicker and so much easier. And worry and anxiety come so much quicker and easier to the heart that is living in unbelief. And I promise you today, because I've already admit, I struggle with anxiety and worry and control and fear and all that stuff. So here, please do not hear condemnation when, when you hear this This what Paul is telling us. I'm right with you in the battle. But, but also hear this. We should be so freed in the gospel because again, uh, Paul has already told us we are saved by grace through faith alone, not through our works so that anyone can boast from the book of Romans. Look, so we're saved by grace. 
We're called to practice these things, but don't, don't be shameful, but instead rejoice in the reality is you don't have to live in unbelief. Be the kind of Christian that can readily admit, you know what, many of the hours of the day, I am filled with unbelief, but then I stop myself at some point, I confess my sins like we do at church, and then I believe the gospel. Repentance and faith. You don't have to be scared to admit that there are moments and times when you have unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. A prayerless life is, is an indication, right? And I, I have often said that like prayer in a way is like a thermostat and it's like a thermometer. It's like a thermometer and that like if you're prayerless, that is a, a warning, like you're spiritually pretty lukewarm right now, right? But it's also like a thermostat that the more we pray and the more we see God in prayer and practice his presence, it sets the temperature of our heart and our spiritual life even more. Our faith increases and our prayers increase. Paul says, don't be anxious, but pray. Don't practice worry. Take your needs to your Father with thanksgiving. So the practices. Now the promise, this astounding promise in verse 7. As you go to the Lord in prayer, as you've practiced joy in his presence, here's this amazing promise. The peace of God which surpasses understanding. So once again, this is a supernatural peace. This isn't the normal peace. This isn't circumstantial peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I, I pray this prayer for people all the time and for my, myself. That is... People share difficulty and trial and tribulation with me that I'll pray over them that that God will grant them this unusual supernatural peace and that he will guard their hearts and our minds because this is what we need. Paul, um, some caveats here, I want to say this is not a promise of a life with no fear or no anxiety or fearful circumstances. You know that, right? Paul is not promising, oh man, if you just pray enough and practice joy enough and do these other things enough, then you're going to enter this state of just complete uh, lack of fear or a complete lack of anxiety or, or worry. That is not what he's promising. Paul isn't promising that if you really love Jesus and are faithful to him, that you will never worry again. That's, that's not it. In fact, in chapter 228, he talks about his own anxiety and anxiousness that he's having over a particular situation. Paul isn't saying that getting peace like this comes easily. He's not saying it comes all at once. He's not saying that it stays forever. What he is saying is that as we practice our faith in prayer, we can experience a peace that goes beyond understanding. And you can, in the battle, when you're, the, the war is waging, you can have your hearts and your minds guarded by the Holy Spirit and experience this peace. And, and so often, friends, like I, I've told you this so many times, like I, one of the blessings of being a pastor is being with people in, at the most challenging time of their life, and then they're testifying to you that the Lord actually does meet us. Jamie did it. So many other people have sat, I've sat in a hospital bed or in a home hearing a horrible story, and God has provided a, a peace that goes beyond understanding. This is a beautiful promise. The picture that Paul is using is a besieged city. It's being bombarded. 
And yet, in spite of being bombarded, there's a, there's a, a guard from the assault. The city is being guarded against the, uh, the assault. When you're extremely stressed, and when you face stressful circumstances, our minds and our hearts are bombarded with worry. They are bombarded by anxious thoughts, aren't they? I, I feel like I can get a handle on it for a minute and get enough to get, gather my keys and my stuff and, and start driving to the office. And then as soon as I start the car, I'm being bombarded with those same thoughts that I thought I left behind at the house. And then before I walk in, into the church, I'll be like, all right, I, I am going to leave. The, I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to just leave it right here. I'm going to go in and into the church. And then I walk into the building and have a, you know, say hi to everyone. And then I go back to my office, and, and I'm alone, and then bombarded again. And what Paul is saying is, fight for joy. Fight to rejoice. Fight in prayer. Uh, fight by faith. And as you do... Our hearts and our minds can be guarded as we remind ourselves of the goodness of the gospel. Lastly, the problem. So there's a promise, there are these practices, and there's a problem. And the, one of the things I want to mention to you is this. Please know that anxiety is not only a lack of faith. It's not. It often is, but it's not always. I've told you, I've battled anxiety most of my adult life, and sometimes the cause is my own fears and lack of faith. I'd say even often. But it is also a result of this broken world. And sometimes my brain experiences a fight or flight response even when there's no imminent danger, right? I can be in Home Depot and all of a sudden feel on the verge of panic, right? If you've had a panic attack, you know what I'm talking about. And there's no threat at Home Depot. I mean, not any that I've seen. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you buy something stupid, I don't know. But like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, and sometimes I'll go through a really traumatic experience that like really has stressed me out and I won't feel the effects of that stress in my body for like weeks or months later. And then all of a sudden, I'll start feeling the fight or flight kind of experience out of nowhere. So it's not only a lack of faith. It often is, but sometimes it really is uh, psychological and, and chemical and all, and all the rest. Now, it's helped me to learn things in, in counseling, that kind of thing, and learning to breathe, uh, calming yourself. But like, none of that goes very far without faith. It, but as I combine the breathing exercises I've been taught and like just calming my body physically, but combining it with what is true about Christ, there's so much power in that. And I've grown to the place where I, I haven't, I've, I really haven't had an actual panic attack in years and years and years because of the way God has helped me understand how the body works, A, and B, practicing my, my faith more. But if you've had them, I'm, I'm with you. I've been there. Now, the problem with worry, so let's talk about the problem. The problem with worry is that it's in direct competition with faith. They don't go well together, do they? Worry and faith. They're kind of opposites. <laughs> and so we laugh and joke and, and can be real about our worry and anxiety, but they're, they are in opposition. They are in a war. Anxiety and worry tell us that our problems are at hand, but faith tells us that the Lord is at hand. 
We often experience anxiety and worry, truthfully, if we're honest enough, when we've allowed something or someone who isn't God to become too big for us. You know what I mean? An idol. And when our idols are threatened, we get really worried and often angry too, worried and angry. Something we think we need more than God, an idol. We take a thing, a person, an idea, a desire, often a good thing in and of itself, usually. Uh, but then we promote it to an ultimate thing, a good thing that should take its place, you know, in our priorities of life, but instead it's become an ultimate thing, a thing that I have to have, I need. And when those things get threatened, we become very, very anxious. Money, not just materialism, by the way, uh, think security. I think many of us battle money and it's not so much because we want fancier stuff, it's because it represents security to us. And Jesus comes along and says, I'm the only truly secure thing there is. Talk to people in the hospital room that are having to say, I've had to give up everything and just trust God. There is no other security. Reputation, title, power, position, our looks, our kids, our health. We can take all these good things and promote them to an ultimate place in our life, and then they get a power and a control over us. So if they feel threatened and insecure, we become very threatened and insecure and, and fearful. So when you're anxious, an important thing to do is ask, have I allowed something to be a God for me that is not God? Have I elevated something that's become too much in my life? It's taking a position it shouldn't have. Are you trying to control someone that you can't control and you're worried about it? I often do that. Are you anxious right now? Are you mainly seeing your problems at hand or, or can you see that the Lord is at hand? Where is the Lord in your story right now? In the past, you can look back and see how he was faithful, but right now, where is the Lord in your story? Is he close to you or is he distant? A better way to ask that is, he, do you, does he feel close to you or does he feel distant? Because I promise you, he's close. Do you feel as if he cares for you? Do you feel as if he loves you or not? Do you believe that he's all powerful? That he sees you, that he knows you, that he cares for you, that you can cast your cares upon him? When we worry, our hearts and minds are surrounded and overcome by everything that would rob us of joy and peace. And Jesus comes along and says, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. I am at hand. So brothers and sisters, Paul is calling us to rejoice, even in difficulty and trial. And we can rejoice because we have a Savior who has pleased the Father in all ways. He is our righteousness. We have the very righteousness of Christ by faith. We, we can rejoice 
as my dear sister was able to rejoice, even in the last days of her life, being able to say, I know where I stand with God, and I know that I am going to be in his kingdom. We can rejoice. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not even our worry and anxiety and unbelief. A mustard seed of, of faith, according to Jesus, can move mountains. Paul is calling us to remember that the Lord is at hand, and he is at hand. Jesus rose from the dead. He sent the helper, and he's coming again in glory. And Paul is calling us to prayer instead of anxiety. And we know that we aren't perfect in prayer. We are not perfect, but we worship a Savior who is perfect. Jesus Christ walked with his Father daily in perfection, loving the Father with his whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving us, his neighbors, as himself in everything that he did, in his thoughts, in his words, in his minds, and even in his fear, he did not sin. And he had anxieties and fears, did he not? Before the cross, he cried out in tears and in, in blood, may this cup pass, but my, not my will be done, but your will be done. We serve a savior that is not far from us, that, that knows our, what it is to live in this anxious and troubled world, but he's overcome the world. I just thank God that in, in spite of my imperfections, Jesus was perfect. And in his perfection, he didn't choose to judge me, but instead decided me to give me and you the gift of his righteousness and perfection by faith, not by works. It's ours. And I want to close with a quote from the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God by Martin Luther. And though this world with devils filled... This world is full of trouble. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little world word will fell him. Let's pray. Lord, in this world we have trouble, and I just thank you that you have overcome the world. And, and Father, I pray for myself and I pray for everyone in this room that is, is battling uh, things that are hard and difficult, and, and we are so tempted to give in to the anxiety and fear. But, oh, Lord, strengthen us to remember your goodness, your kindness, your love, your power, and your care for us. Save us from these anxieties and help us to practice our faith. We beg you. We beg you in, in Jesus' good name. Amen.